This is Inside Marketing, brought to you by Dentsu Aegis Network and Irish Times Media Solutions. In a world of fake news and misinformation, you might assume there's never been a better opportunity for publishers to soar, but it is an industry in crisis. A strong local free press is the cornerstone of modern society, and yet publishers are struggling to fund newsrooms. How did the industry get to this point? I'm your host, Aidan McCullen, and today we're joined by Laura Slattery, media columnist with the Irish Times, and Dave Winterlich, chief strategy officer of Dentsu Aegis Network. As the intro of this episode suggested, our topic today is the future of publishing. Laura, let's come to you first. What has been happening to publishing? It should be more important than ever before, yet it is an industry in crisis. Well, it's just had so many challenges, to put the polite word on what we normally call problems, in migrating to this digital era that we have now. So I've worked for the Irish Times since 2001. The Irish Times has been online for 25 years now, but it's really only in the last 10 years where we've really concentrated, I would say, on the online part of our business. And I think at the beginning, all publishers, not just news publishers or like, you know, the Irish Times, have been playing a catch up with just the internet at large in trying to get the audience, first of all, that was the, the first key phase was making sure that the sites were free and accessible to a really wide audience. In fact, you know, in many cases, publishers were able to expand their audience to a greater size than ever before. But the, the really tricky part was monetizing that. And over the last five years, we've seen increased attempts to put much valued content that, you know, traditionally print buyers always paid behind a paywall, which isn't, uh, isn't a word that publishers always like using, but to a certain extent, many of them are now operating measured paywalls where maybe a few articles are free or maybe a few paragraphs of an article can be read before people are asked to subscribe. But the real issue that the core problem <laughs> is that there's so many outlets doing the same thing. It's not just the Irish ones targeting an Irish audience. There's a vast number of international outlets also targeting the Irish audience. And some of them are also subscription models, but some of them are still free, ad dependent, perhaps unsustainable in the long run, but just the sheer volume of them and the options that people have has, I think, weakened some younger generations' brand loyalty and attachment to publications that remain incredibly valuable with really strong content. So I think the product is perhaps even better than it ever was. But there is still some adjustments that need to be made in the business model. And after this period of frenzy, that strong content will win out. David, as Chief Strategy Officer, you would have seen the evolution of media, and particularly Laura mentioned there the word monetization. And from your perspective, looking from the outside, it's easier to see what's going on because when you're in there, it's like being on the dance floor and you're up on the balcony looking down at what's happening on the dance floor. What have you seen over the last few years? Yeah, and I think just to touch on Laura's point, I think it's no coincidence that the rise and, and the growth of Google and Facebook has coincided so heavily with the demise of what we call local publishing industries. So first of all, and, and Laura touched on this as there was a big debate about content moving online free. I think that was probably say the original sin was giving content away free. Well, arguably publishers globally did this twice. So they gave it away free by putting it online and, and struggled with paywalls, but then allowing you know, Google and search engines free access to that content effectively 
gave the Googles the opportunity to monetize the, the content. And that's a huge debate now we see around a European level. The second thing, revenues, as Laura, as Laura touched on, print revenue was significantly higher. It carried a much bigger premium. With digital, there's a massive oversupply of inventory. The cost of digital advertising is so inexpensive. And that's a whole other issue about what content is quality. We'll touch on that later on. But I think there's just so much that everybody has an audience, everybody has scale. From an, ad, an advertiser's point of view and from our client's point of view, you can buy that anywhere. And what's happening is this race to the bottom. I think what's happened is publishers or, or newspapers have kind of lost their purpose. I think they served a very clear purpose. So a newspaper used to collate world news, local news, talk about reader offers, give you deals and information, had local events, listings, and quite a heavy sprinkling of sport on that. And arguably now, Google play the role of a modern day newspaper. They do all that collation. They provide all that content and they do it quicker and at scale and in a much more vast way. And whether you agree with Facebook's being a publisher, and I'm not sure whether they even agree whether they're a publisher or not, they fulfill the role of a modern day publisher. So there's quite a lot of things have gone on and it's not a great position to be in from an advertising point of view. And the strength and importance of local media and local free press in society, I think we're at a really dangerous point in society. And um, I think we have a duty of care to all do our best to try and support local print. But it's quite a lot has gone on. It's been tough times, to say the least. There's a lot in the mixing bowl there of things that have happened. And one of the things I always find, and you see this in disruption of every type, where many theories exist of why organizations fail to reinvent. And one of the big problems, and you mentioned this, Laura, Irish Times were well ahead of the game with digitization. They were in the game, but the value was seen as very little. So when the value is seen as very little, they don't invest in it. And you saw this, for example, with Toys R Us. So Toys R Us, when the internet appeared, they outsourced their digital sales to Amazon. And therefore, Amazon was doing all the learning. And this happened in digital as well. People were giving it away, giving it to the agencies because they're like, there's no money in that. And when that happens, it's very, very hard to pull back and grapple back revenue. I think one of the reasons that happened was because the internet was seen, certainly in its early days, as a democratizing force. So there was a feeling amongst newspapers that they would join in the sort of spirit of that new force in all of our lives. And I think there was probably also a feeling that it wasn't the same product, that you were reading something online that wasn't the same as having a tangible, physical, inky newspaper, and that people who bought the newspaper were, in fact, getting, quote unquote, better product because they had it, they could keep it. It was all the beautiful layout and design that you have in newspapers that we, we still have. So I think that's the historic reason. And, you know, okay, there was a phase where everything was free. And a lot of people think that was a mistake because it's been so hard to claw back from. But there is an alternative view that that was a great shop window period, that it helped show off what the brand could do, what all news brands could do. But we're in a situation now where, look, and the reason we're, we're, it's changed is print has been in decline. Print circulation has been in decline in this country since 2007. It's very consistent. Every six months, all the newspapers in Ireland see declines of often double digits, sometimes lower than that, about 6 or 7%, but it's always on this annual rate of decline. And whilst there is a still a good advertising business with that, it, it too is in decline. So there's no other option but to look at what 
could grow. And unfortunately, this is where <laughs> the advertising market hasn't really been the, the wondrous thing that it could be. Rates, as you know, for online advertising just don't match up to print the same way. Broadcasters, for example, have had some of the same issues. It leads some titles in a different direction, I think, as well, where because they have this transparency of who reads what online, that you almost are kind of what we call chasing clicks. And that can cause a few sort of brand issues, because if you put too much focus on that, you're losing sight of the original purpose, the journalism in, 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 within you know your title, uh, which isn't always about giving people what they want. Sometimes people don't know what they want. Sometimes a, a story or a piece of content is only of interest to a small audience, but it might be very important to that small audience. So that's part of journalism and I hope it will always remain a part of journalism and, and that outlets don't get too dependent on chasing ad money in quite a dysfunctional market, as we all know, It's and most of the money is going to the tech platforms anyway. This is why now we've had this rise in, in focus on, on subscriptions and how to get more money directly from digital readers. And one of the things you said there sparked me thinking was there's a book called Stall Points, and in Stall Points, they examine businesses over many decades and discovered that if a business doesn't reinvent ahead of the necessity to do so, it only stands a 10% chance of survival. And then I thought about, I looked at research of children coming from impoverished backgrounds, and their brains are actually smaller, right? So in its wisdom, the body puts all the energy into the body. And the reason it does that is because it's like, we need to survive. And I thought about that from a corporate perspective, and as a business when you're trying to reinvent, when you're on a sinking ship, it's very, very difficult. So when you're trying to innovate and you're trying to change direction, it's very, very difficult because you're in survival mode and you can't thrive and you can't think innovatively. So what can you do in those states? I think there's a, there's a few things going on. So Laura talked about the chasing for clicks and there's a societal issue. So this is, I, I, I do feel sorry for publishers to a degree because they're putting out quality content. Not all content is created equally in terms of the price of that content. You know, you could see the same traffic to an article about adorable things cats do on, on BuzzFeed. And you could see that get more traffic than, say, Fintan O'Toole's piece last week about life and direct provision. One is brilliantly written, has lots of research, has lots of insight into it. One is just basic candy for people just to spend some time. And advertisers may pay relatively speaking, the, the same amount for that. but that, So that's a problem. And is that the agency's fault and the client's fault for not valuing the content? Or is it the publisher's fault for not making a strong enough defense for that content and argument for, for the, it's worth the premium? So we have a race for the bottom and it's an oversupply. But I, I think it's it has been a big problem. We've dramatized to a degree about crisis is probably too strong a word and not necessarily the Irish Times. But what a lot of publications have done, which I think is fundamentally wrong, is strip all cost out of the business. So it was protectionism. A lot of newsrooms slimmed down, merged, laid off journalists. They really slimmed down the product. That makes your balance sheet okay for one year. It kicks the can down the road. And I think they should have invested in the product. This is a battle. We need quality journalism. It is worth paying for. Print will always have a place. Interestingly, I, was, I saw last week, I opened the Irish Times and who had a full page ad, which is the thing of as, as rare as hen's teeth now, Facebook in the Irish Times last week. Why are they doing that? Because it says something, it builds trust. But I do think newspapers, fundamentally, we talked about Google playing the role of a modern day kind of newspaper, what, it, what its role and, and its purpose. I think newspapers have to get clearer and publishers have to get clearer on their purpose. So news provision is no longer 
a purpose. It's a commodity. I get my news from anywhere. I can get it anywhere else, particularly in Ireland where countries like, say, Sweden or Denmark, they have a much clearer purpose because they don't have the same influx of same language news titles into their market. So we are culturally and geographically too closely aligned to the UK. We've similar interests. We can read similar content from similar providers and that's a problem. So I think newspapers, traditionally those legacy, and I keep saying newspapers, but I mean, I mean publishers, legacy publishers, pe people who've been around, they have to sit down and really think, what do they do that's better than anyone else at the moment? And, and I think when we talk about publishing, newer publishers have had to be much clearer on that because they had to pick their position in the market. So I always thought that the journal got a really clear run at mobile first news. It was quite visionary at the time. No one took them on for it and they own it. And it's hard to take it off now, but they, they carved out that space. Joe completely differently went for entertainment for young Irish lads. They had a space, they knew what they were doing and they focused on that. And I think any news providers who are solely in the provision of news as their purpose, I think they're going to struggle. So I think they need to have a think about it, but they definitely have a, a place and one of the things there, Laura, you sparked this and Dave, you kind of finished it off, is bundling. So if you think about the way the paper used to be, you bought the bundle. So you got the lifestyle section, you got the sports section, even if you didn't want it. And then that became valuable to an advertiser because then they were able to brand the different sections. And, and as you, as an agency, it was easier for you to target those things. But if you think on a global scale, what Facebook and Google did, they sectioned the audience, but then they sectioned the content as well. So by opening up your digital content to, to Google, for example, you gave them all this content and then they categorize the content as sport, business, lifestyle, et cetera, et cetera, or even more micro segments than that. That makes it easy for an agency to actually target that with advertising then. And that is very, very difficult to claw back from. What I'm getting at here is if media outlets come together and work together to collaborate, that seems to be the only viable step forward. If they all go, you know what, we're coming off Google, but we all have to do it. It's tricky to see that particular one happening. I know it's, it's been tried in other countries, but that's not to say that there shouldn't be greater collaboration between the Irish media in lots of ways. I think a lot of the things that a decade ago would have been frowned upon by the uh, competition regulators now look like almost like one of the <laughs> key means of survival for Irish media. And in fact, just to give an example, in the UK, in a, in a slightly different business, they're all coming together now, all the broadcasters, to put their shows on the one on-demand platform. But 10 years ago, their competition regulator told them they couldn't do that. And now they see that they have to do that in order to, to, to cope with the international competition. So I think a similar kind of principle applies in the Irish media. There has been consolidation, obviously, um, the Irish Times acquired the Irish Examiner. Maybe twenty years ago, that wouldn't that would have been unthinkable. But you know, it's happened in the last few years, and it was seen it was seen as a healthy thing over, overall. Um, it's an independent uh, editorially. It's independent of the Irish Times, but you know, we need that certain scale in order you know in order to 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 keep going as a kind of basically one of the few Irish owned uh, uh, publishers of scale left. Um, so I think we will see, uh, I think we will see more cooperation. I've, I've no doubt about that. You know, you were talking about the sort of debundling there. I think we forget, in fact, that people bought the newspaper maybe only for the crossword or only for the film reviews or, or only for the sport. And that simply has just gone. It's probably one of the, the key influences on the decline in, in circulation. That's why I guess editorially, 
that has led people to think, well, okay, we can still do this. We we need to have a kind of a, a basket of niches, you know, that we need to bring them all together and have a kind of a solid reputation on each of them. And that, you know, as Dave is saying, that actually does require investment and requires investment in people. The best stories and content and audio and video and everything else takes time to produce. And my personal feeling is rather than sort of republishing syndicated content from internationally, which can be very healthy for clicks, doesn't do anything really for the brand in the long term you know everybody knows that's from the financial times or that's from the guardian you know everybody can tell so you do need investment in in your own content for me one of my slight pet hates is when journalists uh, and you know i i sympathize it's it's all in our interests to, to say online buy a paper you know buy a paper this is the right thing to do for society and democracy buy a subscription if you don't want to read a physical paper. But there's something a little bit eat your, eat your greens about that. Uh, I think we need to look at more, and I'm sure people are looking at this, about, you know, what makes people love buying a media subscription. What's the Netflix factor here? What can we do to entertain them as well as inform them and educate them? And a little bit more of that. And that doesn't, that doesn't mean dumbing down. It just, it just means... Do you know you're sort of touching a broader range of moods, I would say, that people are in? Because people don't aren't always in the mood for the hardest of news. Dave, you said that crisis was a, a harsh word to use. I actually don't think so. And I'm not talking about the crisis of the industry. I'm talking about the crisis of society where we've dumbed down content in order to satisfy the audience. But therefore, we're dumbing down critical thinking. Forbes, for example, I know it's a privately owned publication, but Forbes use 20% of the articles are written by AI. That's dangerous. And then you break in stuff like deep fakes and all that kind of thing. And quality journalism that's written from an unbiased perspective is so important. Sometimes you just want the facts. You don't always want the opinion. And I totally get sometimes you're following a journalist rather than a publication because you like the way that journalist writes. You like the way they present the argument, et cetera, et cetera. But we need quality content. But then we also need society to consume that quality content. You know, it's one of these things where you can go, everyone's wrong except this small collection of people and you know isn't it the case in in free markets that the public get what the public wants so if they if they if they don't value um long form journalism then is it right to say well they should i don't know i mean i totally agree i think that type of disposable news news that is just kind of headlines and clickbait i i think is wrong but that we've seen some interesting things we talked about collaboration i think certainly the uk the ozone project publishers are coming together to offer and it's an advertising solution. In my opinion, the lines, church and state, they have to exist. Editorial integrity is key. But I think publishers need to be clear. Commercial funds that newsroom. They have to realise that without the commercial, there is no newsroom. It doesn't happen. They'll slim down and slim down, strip cost out. And the way publishers can get out of it is to grow revenue. They can learn from Google and Facebook. So coming together to provide scale, insight on audience behaviours, that kind of stuff. They can only do that by combining forces and sharing you know, one login, one user ID unlocks a, a variety of content. And I think that's the way forward. But I, th I think you're right in terms of society and, and do we want long reads? But then who's to say that it has to be all or nothing? The Irish Times or anybody else could say, well, the journalist's job is to do a 2000 word article, slim that down without losing essence into 400 words, which is punchier, drive to the long form if you want accompanying audio potentially or and it's to think about your news delivery across lots of different platforms as opposed to saying we've done an article 
and we urge everybody to read it. I also think it's interesting because we talked about we don't like to ask people to go and buy a newspaper and eat your greens. I don't think there's anything wrong with asking people to support journalism. The Guardian, like loads of people and commentators in the industry laughed at The Guardian when they put this thing on, you know, if you value journalism, contribute whatever you want. They had 300,000 subscribers, individual contributors last year. That's money they wouldn't have got had they simply not have asked. Maybe it's an Irish thing. We don't like asking people for handouts. I definitely think if you think your content is worth paying for, I would start, we talked about getting out, I'd start by asking people to contribute voluntarily. Patreon is a platform where it does just that. You can ask readers to contribute. Whatever they think is, is, you know, is valuable to them. You might value an article at one euro. Someone else might 10 euro, but it's discretionary. And I think there are certain things that newspapers, publishers and all, anybody in the content business can do to learn from the Googles and Facebooks and try and borrow some of those behaviours and just to maximise the return that they have from the assets that they have at the moment. So one of the things then we need to change, Laura mentioned a basket of niches. So atomization of content, Google did that brilliantly, Facebook does that brilliantly, they create these categories and it's an easy platform to log in and target with advertising. What happened in the Irish industry then was also you had these new players like The Journal, you had Maximum Media, for example, with Joe and her making it easy. Joe is for males, yeah. her is for females, family is for family. And they made it easy. And like you said, and then you had mobile and you had digital journalism with The Journal. And if we bring together everybody as a universal login, is what's going to happen, there'll be baskets of niches across platforms, across different media outlets. I'd love to go to one of those meetings where all those, let's call it competitors, sit across the table and try and agree how they carve up any revenue or, or whose audience we'll is more valuable than that. not. We'll right? we'll so that, that that's going to be real fun. <laughs> but fundamentally, I think this is the, uh, particularly for Ireland, we don't have scale. The CPMs are so cheap. Like you can live with really cheap CPMs if you're in a, you know, a market the size of the UK. You got 60 million people or 300 million people. You can live with... with, or, with or your Google yeah, or Facebook. That's no problem. In Ireland you're talking about really small audiences. So if they, if digital revenue has to fund content, content is going to be really poor. So I, I think it's the only way forward. And I think there is going to have, we've seen it. Newspapers have come together. The, the governing bodies, radio have come together. We've seen, you know, even RT and TV3 drop, you know, have a ceasefire and, and, you know, have peace talks and come together because, you know, Netflix are killing them. And that, that is the way forward. I think you will see that it happens in Germany, Poland, Portugal, it's happening in the UK. Um, and the great thing is they've been through a lot of that pain uh, and, we, and we, we, our market can learn from that. But I, I definitely think that is the only way forward because it will help. I think the real advantage for publishers is give the insight that they don't have in terms of user behavior and what, what I call personalizing publishing um, in, in, in terms of capability and understanding of audience, marrying that with the quality content that you have because it's really good content, but advertisers don't seem to think that. And I, I include agencies, like we, procurement have driven costs so low in the business. I, I talk here today about valuing content. Next week, I'll be hammering Rob about getting cheaper prices on content. So, you know, it is a thing, but I think strength is in numbers. And if the publishing industry come together, they, they will have a great chance of not only surviving, but growing their industry. Then flip that into the agency, right? So many of the millennials say or gen y or gen x whatever the heck gens right gen alpha <laughs> gen alpha nice okay <laughs> so so people coming out graduates coming out working in agencies are oblivious to print yeah. they're oblivious to traditional media so it's not on their radar so they're going to look straight to the digital platforms that's an issue as well 
I, I think that's okay. As long as, but the Irish Times is not a newspaper. The Irish Times is a incredibly strong media brand. RTE are not a broadcaster per se. They broadcast, but they provide news. So I think it's okay. If, if I think you will grow into newspapers. There's something really nice, and Laura, you mentioned about newspapers. The experience of reading a newspaper versus, say, content on your phone you cannot concentrate on your phone because you get a message, your phone will ring, you get it, you check an email, things distract you. And it's not because millennials have low attention spans or anything. It happens to everybody. There is something about the ability to focus on the experience of reading a newspaper or a book or a magazine or what that is. And that is, I, th I think people, you grow into that. Um, you will grow. So I think printed content will always be a thing. The first thing I do when I have something important to read is I print it off, I sit down and I read it. And I think you will grow into that. And I think, but it's never going to be the industry it was. But I'd have no problem if young people don't want to read newspapers, but they think I, I'm going on to the Irish Times or whatever their, you know, weapon of choice is, the Indo or whatever. But as long as, as long as they value quality journalism and they, they value an opinion and a trusted opinion um, rather than, you know, bullet point headlines, then I think it's okay where they get that from, whether it's audio, visual, print, published, whatever, I don't mind. But it, they should value the provider of that news and not rely on. Quality is important, right? You know, what's your news feed on Facebook? Is that a, a, as good an environment as, say, a, a, a lovely, you know, high production, you know, ad on the Irish Times or in print? Something showing up in your news feed surrounded by your grandmother saying it's wine o'clock somewhere. Is that a good environment? <laughs> I don't know. I think one of the, the central issues for publishers uh, still is that even people who say they don't pay for news content, they actually do. They're just not paying publishers. They're paying the handset manufacturer and they're paying their mobile phone provider or broadband provider. They're the people who are actually getting the revenues at the moment. And until that changes, uh, you know, I, I do have some pessimism about the future. I think ideally, as Dave said, there will be strong apps with good known brands that still mean something to the vast majority of consumers out there. My worry is that something like Apple News will come along and sort of be the umbrella, the next umbrella platform for a variety of news publishers. And we've already seen uh, some uh, sign up to it. And not only are the revenues all that great when you're sharing them with Apple, they're not as high as what you would get directly from selling a, a, a subscription. And of um, a much lower CPM, yeah. much, much lower. But there's also this longer term risk to, that you are diluting your brand. So, so these are the issues for the next few years. I think we still need more investment in journalists. We've seen some brands do better than others. You know, what we call legacy newspapers have done better than others in recent years because they still have, I guess, you know, really critical information that readers need. So the Farmer's Journal is a, a great example. It's, it's kind of staved off the decline of print better than a lot because it still has information that its core audience needs that nobody else is producing in the same way. Financial Times, I suppose, is in the same category, although it, it has benefit of, of bigger scale. I, I get a little bit sick of people saying, oh, but look at the New York Times. They were able to do that because they had that scale to start with. So it's, it's, not, it's not as easy for Irish publishers for sure, but they will have to at least try. Last thing I, I just wanted to throw in there was on the flip side, the marketer. So the marketer of today used to just have to deal with TV, outdoor and print. Very few platforms. Now they have to deal with digital, probably get thrown data in there. 
They're getting loads of new stuff thrown into the basket. Maybe AI is now sitting in marketing and their bucket of revenue or their bucket of spend hasn't increased that much. And then they have to build websites and apps, et cetera, et cetera. So that probably comes back to you, Dave. What are you seeing there from marketers? They're trying to get more from less. I definitely think it's one of the things that I'm pushing for in in our business that we're so bogged down and the industry has become so bottom of the funnel focused. That's why context isn't important. Price is important. And I'm saying that's what's happening at the moment and it's not right. So a CPM is a CPM and if it drives an action. So I think a couple of things have happened. I definitely think that the industry is too bogged down and too obsessed and focused on a click and a, and a, an acquisition and short-term thing. And I can't think about the long-term, it's incapable. And I think the industry has lost a little bit of its, the art, what I call the art of planning um, and the rigor of planning. And it's not because there's there's no um, willingness to, to do it. It's, just, it's a time thing. I think people just don't have time. They're stuck automating at the, at the execution layer campaigns, delivering, you know, reports after reports after reports. We have so many reports that go out to clients. I'm, I'm sure 90% of the reports are not read. So what you will see machine learning and AI do, apart from optimization of campaigns, you will see the freeing up of that highly kind of labor intensive thing for people. And I think the, the, the quid pro quo with that is that um, we don't slim down as agencies. We keep the staff that we have and we allow people time to think about those more important things um, because I definitely think we're just obsessed. I said this critical thinking thing, we are we are obsessed with doing. And in, in, funny, in my job, because I'm in uh, strategy, if I'm ever, God forbid, seen thinking, people would say, what are you, are you doing? Nothing again. And, you know, and thinking time is important. It's something I'm pushing for. I'd love to see thinking time put on people's timesheets. But Me too. <laughs> as, a, you know, as, a result, as a result of what we have, but people think thinking equals not doing and not doing equals. So if you saw somebody in your office and they were thinking a lot, you'd probably say they need some more accounts. They're not busy. But I definitely think you get out what you put in and we rush to execute things at agencies too quickly. We've lost that art of planning. I'm going to say we, clients are less willing to pay for that. Not all clients. Some really good clients value that, but increasingly we're racing to the bottom. It's all interconnected. So if you think of you, Laura, you, Dave, a marketer, all creative people, you all got into this because of creativity, but you know, you've been driven towards science. So you're doing all this work. So I'm a great believer and an optimist for what AI can bring. And if it can take away those tasks to bring that creativity back and we can focus on that, then we have a bright future ahead. But final words from you, Laura, what's your message to the industry, whether that be to media or to media buyers or to marketers? I mean, I don't want to sound like a, a sort of traditional media cliche, but I suppose if I was to adopt the position of my industry and have a message for media buyers, it would be just to point out what, what they already know, which is that so much of the online environment is is uh, is actually quite ugly and hard to control. Brands are appearing in, in places that they, they really wouldn't choose, <laughs> I think, if they thought about it. Um, we've seen the issues before with extreme content and, and hatred and huge, uh, you know, incitements to violence on YouTube, Facebook and environments like that. And newspapers and other traditional forms of media and newspapers, online publications and apps, not only is it a safer place to advertise, you are advertising to a group that, you know, does have 
some fondness for the what they've purchased. They have a relationship with it. They have trust in it. And I think I think all journalists, you know, <laughs> would like to see that reflected in the attention that that advertisers give the companies that they work for. I mean, obviously, that just makes logical sense. Otherwise, we're all going to be out of work. I think we are running to standstill at the moment, but I like to hope over the next few years that we will see a kind of a consistency in the quality content that Irish news publishers can produce it's a chicken and egg once we have money coming in we'll be you know able to show what we can do and I I hope that that continues to be a feature otherwise we're all in trouble yeah and I just like to add to that as well because I I, I think that IAPI are organising bodies and industry they had an an event about unconscious bias I definitely think the media industry and the ad industry suffers well we all suffer from unconscious bias um, but particularly when it comes to advertising so I'd say um, you ask agency planners which brands are cool you're going to get things like um, Maximum you're going to get things like the journal and if you go out in the street and ask people what they think of an RTE or an Irish Times they're going to think they're great brands yet industry agency people might think they're not cool and they're not (laughs) not where it's at Um, and newspapers, I think, had a read. Newspapers particularly had a really tough time because they they were on trial for all the benefits that digital media offered that they didn't offer, but but radio didn't offer those benefits either. Nor did any other media. Nor did outdoor. They let newspapers take the stand, and newspapers took the brunt of that. And I think if you were to listen to the way the industry talks about newspapers, you'd swear nobody reads a newspaper. Newspapers have no value, and I'm not even talking about. They're online versus I'm talking about the printed product. Um, so I think there is a duty of care. And I would ask people in the industry to actually think about your audience and think about every channel, not just think that the things you do is what everyone else does. Laura Slattery, media columnist with the Irish Times and Dave Winterlich, chief strategy officer of Dentsu Aegis Network. And Dave mentioned beating up Rob. Rob Kinsler's in studio here. They're fighting in the corner here over. <laughs> Remarkably, he said, he said quiet. <laughs> and uh, to Shane in collaborative studios, thanks for your time. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers.